How y'all doing? It's another episode of the BXB Podcast with Coach Sean. Today we got a special guest, Coach Harper. Coach, how you doing? I'm always good, bro. How you doing? Doing pretty good, man. So uh, just kind of like, you know, start it off. Can you explain to the listeners uh, who you are and what do you do? For sure. My name is Philip Harper. Um, I'm a Metro Atlanta native. Um, if you're not from Georgia, I would tell you I'm from Atlanta. If you are from the Metro Atlanta area, I tell you I'm from Athonia. I run a organ. I run a company organization called Hoop Nation. Um, it specializes in a lot of different basketball uh, avenues, uh, trainings, uh, development. Um, I do coaching uh, on the uh, amateur level and uh, within the high school ranks. I've done po- uh, post and prep rack coaching as well. Uh, we assist with uh, college opportunities and. Uh, both the men's and women's side, uh, advocacy for parents and families. Just trying to figure this whole thing out. So that's, you know, something like that, a little something like that. No, I respect it. And, uh, you know, working with you previously, I know uh, you've been going at it for, like, you know, a long time. But uh, let's just dive into, like, one of the avenues, which is, like, the training perspective you've been uh, honing for the past, I'll say almost a decade now, basically. Um, how much work goes into developing, like, you know, an athlete from your perspective? Like, how much individual work from your end goes into it? Uh, it it depends on uh, what, what level we're at and, mm-hmm. and where guys are starting at. Um, training for any prospect first starts with, with a, an evaluation um, and, um, and an understanding of the scenario in which they need to develop in. So, is is uh, not just taking people in and throwing them into drills and scenarios that I already have predisposed for everyone, but understanding that each athlete has a different avenue that they're needing to improve in, so that they could either get playing time or make a team or uh, or garner attention from college coaches, and it's just more so getting the understanding of what the prospect is, where they're trying to get to, what they need that they can add sooner than later. And if we have more time to work, having more of a long-term goal of things that we can add if we just continuously working at it. Um, so, you know, for, for each person it's different. Uh, a lot of what we do, uh, you can take home and, and work on it yourself uh, because we don't, we, we, I'm not too extravagant with what's taught uh, because, you know, the higher you get up in levels, um, mm-hmm. the more consistent you need to be with doing the thing, doing things the right way as opposed to doing a bunch of special stuff occasionally. So, you know, that's, that's I like to, you know, the, the more the more that I see prospects, the, the guys and girls that I see the most obviously have the most improvement. I would mm-hmm. love for the, uh, I love to be able to be active with people, you know, two to four times a week. Um, but those that, that go home and work on their craft, uh, the things that we talk about and discuss in between, you know, they could still have a pretty uh, marginal growth, you know, over a, 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 a certain period of time. No, I agree. I like the point you said about making sure you train these athletes to do the things they're going to do a lot the right way versus focus on like a lot of special moves because, um, it's only a special. It's only like a small amount of those special guys that get to become the guy or the franchise player or just you know the best player on the team. So as a role player, you want to make sure that you're well adept when it comes to executing the fundamentals at a high level, so you can make sure you have great playing time, but also your valuable assets to your team. Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, to, to if if you if you watch games at every level of mm-hmm. basketball you will probably only have two to four people that are handling the basketball um, in a, in a dominant fashion where they're bringing the ball up against, uh, bring the ball up the floor. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything that's like more than six dribbles. It's not a lot of people that's having those opportunities because everybody, I mean, it's, it's impossible to have any kind of fluidity for your team. If everybody's catching the ball and putting it on the deck. So just as a trainer in development, um, to be mindful of of what kind of reps your kids are getting when they're in the gym, you know, it, it would be foolish of me to have everybody come in there and 
dribble the ball a ton for half an hour if we're in there for an hour. Like, I'm taking away time from you to develop in an area that you need to improve at. And, and working on ball handling is probably the easiest thing. If you go home and you got a basketball and you walk outside, like, every dribble you take is is getting you better in that area. Yeah. <laughs> to have the actual, actual opportunity to work on, you know, your footwork and your ball mm-hmm. skills, the ball placement and, you know, uh, pass fakes and all that kind of stuff to, to be able to put that stuff in motion is it's a little more difficult to do on your own, you know, mm-hmm. so somebody that understands that and catch the ball at certain angles and know how to use your body afterwards with, with less dribbles and still have high efficiency and effectiveness is something that we key on a whole lot more because – that if we got 12 people on the team, you got two to four that's handling the ball. You got eight other people to 10 other people out there that need to be able to be more efficient with with less. So, you know, that's just the angle that we try to take with our development. Yeah, it's pretty smart. I feel like um, you're catering to the needs of people who need it the most, which is the role play. So even some of the – the Robins on the team, the B players and stuff like that, because even they need to learn how to be more efficient with less dribble. So the all-star can be more facilitator. Right. Yeah. And uh, even, even from, um, even from the top, you know, after, after whoever's ball dominant is mm-hmm. getting the ball out of their hand, their next catch is going to be more like what everybody else's catch is going to be that like, true. it's going to be something that's going to be within the flow of an offense. Um, and, and you also have to, you still got to be efficient with it at some point. And, and, you know, we, we, differentiate all the work. So even if I had someone in that was a ball dominant guard and they're always playing with the ball in their hand, um, you know, savvy enough to to still have them working on the things that are pointed toward them and their skill set yeah. while other people are able to work on the things that are pointed toward what their skill set is as well. So, you know, it's a lot of room in the gym. I, I just – I don't believe in just doing cookie cutter. Everybody do the same drill. Everybody get the same movement. Everybody get the same feel. Um, that way we can keep everything as live as possible and everybody get as close to game-like reps for whatever it is that they need to do and get better at, um, you know, within uh, within uh, within our sessions. Cool. Uh, speaking of, like, you know, one of the things you love to do a lot in your sessions that, um, that I've seen you do lately, can you kind of break down uh, bunches? I know you dropped a video on it on Instagram, but can you kind of just break down um, bunches within your workouts and how much it translates to players getting, you know, real game life reps? All right. So we have a, a training setup called that we refer to as bunches. And the reason we call it bunches is because it's going to be a bunch of shots that one player gets to take. So if we were in the gym one on one right now, um, Sean, what position do you play? Uh, I'll say combo. So, Point guard, shooting guard. All right, so point guard, shooting guard. We will put you in a scenario where you're getting catches, the kind of catches that you would need and touches that you get in a game-like fashion Mm -hmm. um, and get to shoot and finish at different levels uh, with changes of pace um, and just different fields just within a 35 to 45-second time frame. So the way it's going to run, it's, it's going to be conditioning throughout the entire thing. You'll get catches that may be top of the key. You start top of the key and maybe start off with screen and roll and get downhill to a finish. Your next catch might be in the corner where it might be a catch and shoot situation. The catch after that might be back at the top of the key where you are coming off a screen and snaking the screen or it might be an ISO situation. So we're able to utilize the, entire, the entirety of the floor to get every single type of touch that you could possibly get in the game um, from any cut that you want to make from any, uh, from any dribbling in dribbling into any kind of moves that we need to be making. And, you know, it's just continuous, you know, the whole goal is to, to, if it's five shots, we want to make at least 50% of our shots. If we don't, then we have to sprint down and back full court. Um, Because at the end of the day, all the moves, all the catches, all the touches, none of that stuff matters. You can't put the ball in the basket. The way the game is played right now, you got to be able to put the ball in the basket. So we got to make sure we um, hold ourselves accountable for making some misses. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's just the condition that comes with it, um, the accountability that comes with it, and it gets you away from just doing drill work and more into the feel of playing basketball instead of uh, just – doing a drill over and over and over and over and over again and waiting to turn over and over and over again. Yeah, so now you're getting better at the drill, not getting better at the game. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. Some people that's uh, phenomenal at drills. I'm, 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 I'm not a big drill guy. I, I shun, I shun these drills. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, um, that's why I like you know whenever we get to like you know come together and work at the gym together is because um, just get picking your brain is utilize your um perspective on the game of uh training. It allows more freedom, and I believe by allowing more freedom and more complex complexity to the um training regimen, you allow these guys to see random looks, random feels that's not so predictable, which allows them to react. So when it's time for them to go play, I wouldn't say it's the same exact move or same exact thing, but they kind of have an idea or a better perspective of what's going on, which allows them to actually perform at a high level versus a drill, which is fixated. You're going to get the same exact move, same exact result. You're not going to have in the game of basketball. It's like a t- it's like a thousand different things coming at you in just one quarter alone. Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge proponent of of teaching teaching the teaching what we're doing, giving giving a goal, giving a goal in an area, but then mm-hmm. not allowing. I'm not fostering the situation for that to happen. So yeah. if we're catching the ball on the wing and we're talking about uh double rip to get back middle and mm-hmm. you know spinning back baseline pump fake and finishing at the basket yeah we might go through a couple reps where you can get the whole feel of uh the ball skill and the footwork but we're gonna get to a live point not just when we start playing one-on-one but within this drill where we're still trying to work on this but mm-hmm. things are taken away yeah but you know, the the whole goal of everything that we do, you know, when guys ask about guys and girls ask about how should I do this or how do I get to that is at the end of the day, you got to be a ball player. So if this scenario we're working on a certain skill set, if this scenario that's taken away right away, you still got to get to the right basketball play immediately. There's no questions to be asked about it. And if you do what makes sense within the framework of a basketball game, given the space is there and the opportunity is there and the scenario that's going on, there's no frowning upon that. But just know mm-hmm. that we are working on what we're working on, but you also got to work on that while you're still being a full, responsible basketball player that's making the right decision because this was allowed to you. So don't just force something because we're working on it. Don't just become a slave to a drill. That's what I'm always telling my people. I don't need slaves to drills right now. I need you to be a basketball player, but understand that you're working on developing this skill as well. So if you can, if you can create the situation after it's taken away, if you can create the situation, you can force this person on the defendant to shift so that you can get back to what we're working on. Now you're real. Now, now we hoop. Now we into it for real. Instead of me just sitting here and I'm gonna slide a little bit and then you're gonna cross over. Then I'm gonna push you through with my hand and you know do the ole. To let you get to yeah. a, oh yeah, I'm not an Olay guy. No, nah, I'm gonna sit here. I, I get steal after steal after steal after steal, and then and, and talk big shit if I can. You know what I'm saying? And while you're trying to figure out how to use everything that we're doing, because I'm gonna teach you how to do everything in between, how to get the separation, how to take care of the ball, why I'm stealing the ball, and what you're doing wrong that's allowing it to happen. And don't forget the finishes that we want to work on with the touch of the basket too. So when you can get to those, get to those. But you know, you got to make sure you take care of your business in between, or else. You know, you defeating the purpose of being here. And I, like I said, I don't need you just to be in here getting good at drills. Uh, that's very true. So in terms of like, you know, when it comes to teaching, uh, what are some of the barriers or like obstacles you see when it comes to your uh, clients? But my client, mm, told you I just ate. That's why I was <laughs> <laughs> um, for my clients, as far as barriers, mm-hmm. uh the biggest barrier is probably just the understanding of the game and understanding mm-hmm. how to train. Gotcha. Like, uh, you know, it's so much video of people doing stuff, um, doing stuff that, that kids can, can scroll across on their social media feeds. And there's so many guys out here that are doing, you know, quote unquote developmental work mm-hmm. that do things that have speed that, there's an assumption that when I go train, I'm going to do what I'm watching somebody else do, as opposed to when you come train that everything you need, everything you do needs to be done at a game tempo, which does not mean full speed because there's pace in the basketball. So yeah, you just have to understand. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. but, but it has to be a certain, certain level, certain amount of energy exerted, um, it has to be some a certain level of purpose 
with every movement that we're getting into. And I've, I've probably had the biggest hurdle with just trying to consistently get, get kids to consistently understand how they're working. Got Not it. really what they're doing, but you got to do be aware of why you're doing this and how it's going to sell, how it's supposed to look, how it's supposed to feel so that it translates so much easier as opposed to you just doing something that you gain speed and then because you don't do it fast when you get back in the gym or when you get into a game scenario, you just get back to what you're comfortable with the whole time because you hadn't worked on getting comfortable at game speed with what we're working on. So that's probably the biggest hurdle I, I have. I got you. And just like, you know, to add further to that point, another question I would ask is like, you know, in your eyes, um, in this current standpoint of basketball from, I say, grassroots to professional, uh, what is what are some things that are lacking in terms of the game of basketball um, that you feel like should be added or some things that should be removed to make the game better? Uh, if uh, as far as adding mm -hmm. um, developmentally, I don't <clears throat> coaching at the grassroots level um, is normally is is like, so. My, I got a different coaching background than probably a lot of people that coach at the grassroots level. Yeah. Um, so you know everything we do, everything I do as far as development is probably more centered around gearing things for a college style of play. Gotcha. Um, you know, I have some professionals, so we do some more stuff that's, that's you know, college and prof uh, professionals a little different from one another. Mm. Um, high school, high school, you know, it's it's just a difference. So as far as teaching where to be at on defense, why you why you running a defense, defense, uh, just the concepts of basketball are not as consistent. They're nowhere. I mean, they're almost irrelevant on a grassroots level where it's a lot of teams, a lot of teams that are just compiled of talent mm -hmm. and people can make basketball plays because they're good. Um, where the game honestly could be so much easier for so many other teams because of your arrangement, just because guys understand where to be at and it's in, they, they know why to be where they're going to be at on the floor during, you know, whatever moment is going on. It's everybody has a purpose. You know, so, you know, it's me going to sit down and watch a game, you know, I I, can, I, I have a, a great idea of how much has been taught with uh, when I watch off ball movement, yeah, either on offense or on defense, you know, regardless of what the guy with the ball is doing or how the screen is being set. As soon as I see people out of place, completely out of place, just standing next to people that are 35 feet away from the ball and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you know, that. That's one of the most telling things to me, and that's one of the things I see most consistently with um, grassroots basketball is that it's, it's just so much not being taught from, uh, from from these passionate coaches. You know, overseas, you have to be certified to coach basketball. Yeah, so we you talked about to, that before, too, about, like, you know, that's the reason why um, over there they're actually starting to improve at a higher level compared to us because now they're following a rubric each from each level to get them to a certain level. You got to You got to know. I mean, it's, 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 it takes more than just being passionate and having time or having access or having resource. And that's yeah. really all it takes to be a coach over here, especially at the grassroots level, mm -hmm. you know, you, or even, even just having the history of having played doesn't mean that you know how to teach that you've learned all the intricacies about aligning guys so that, you're giving them all the best opportunity to win in these given situations. So that that's that's probably the one thing that stands out the most to me about and if 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 more people understood that, I feel like the way that they went about trying to develop prospects and stuff like that, it would be different. I'm sure if we watched um if we watched if you watched the top guy, what 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 country do you say has the uh most pros coming over here? Would you say top off the top of your head real quick? I'll say Australia. So if you watched Australia's top guys who are probably all playing on the same team right now, uh, probably Australia's 14U national team, mm -hmm. and you watch them in a training session, you would not see them dribbling as much as all these dudes over here dribble. Exactly. <laughs> You're not going to see it. Everybody's going to be where they need to be at. They're going to understand ball rotation. They're going to understand um, all the off-ball actions. They're going to understand where to be at on defense. And this is going to be a different game that's being played for them at their level 
than yeah. highest kids over here at our level because it's just so much more emphasis on talent, talent, yeah. talent, and not team. So that's yeah, the one true. thing that I, I wish I could I could add. I wish that everybody had a good guy that aligned everything so that everyone could p- prepare and learn how to play against the right kind of basketball, and it would make everything better across the board basketball-wise out here. You're not lying because there's already great basketball pl- being played now in the United States with the talent alone, but take that talent and funnel it into a system where players know where to be and how to properly rotate and how to play the game with less dribbles. Shit, we will be seeing a higher score than what we see right now. Bro, dude, this is why everybody learned. This is why everybody kind of gets torn down and has to be rebuilt when they get to college. Like, yeah. you get to college – and they start talking about how to play their systems and stuff. It's not a whole lot of different systems. Defensively, it's probably about three different ways that if it's not a zone, it's three different ways they play man-to-man. But it's mm-hmm. none, of, none of those are the way that they play, you know, in high school. Uh, in EYBL in high mm-hmm. school and stuff like that. So, like, if those, if those were more across the board, then everyone's preparation would be better. Even guys coming into – college that's young they'd have a better opportunity of being able to produce against those kind of situations instead of you know never having seen a real pack line defense never having seen a real overplay defense never having seen uh the stuff they do at arkansas where where or, or michigan where it's is really the is as is really one-on-one defensively outside on the perimeter but understanding what all the off-ball stuff is doing because it's a lot of complexity that's coming to that with that True. so that's the one thing. I don't know if it's anything I'd take away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, get a shot clock around here too, so we can learn how to play basketball too. Um, yeah. you know. But yeah, hope. yeah, what it is. True. So moving away from, you know, the uh I would say moving away from like you being a uh a craftsman and let's just go to the business side of your business. Um when you first started off and compared it now. Uh, what are some things you could have told yourself, you know, now that you didn't know back then in terms of like starting out uh, Hoop Nation? Uh, so I'm 40 and uh, 40-ish. I'll be 40 in a couple months. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never really been and I'm still not I'm not nearly as much of a social. And you know this. Yeah. I'm not nearly as much of a social media presence as I probably should be. It's um as far as driving business. Uh, and you and I have had this conversation plenty of times. I've had this conversation with other people just to be consistent with posting. Yeah. Like um, the driver for business is visibility. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just the product. Cause if it was the product, I'd probably be training everybody on earth. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's some guys out here that are so good and making sure, you know, they invest in themselves as far as as having assistance with with uh with with building their social media presence and and having quality pro uh con uh content to put out and all that kind of stuff and it's coming out consistently. And uh and those guys, those guys that have that, uh, you know, they <laughs> it the business is gonna show up, you know, because mm-hmm. that's that's just the way that uh people learn. That's the way that people that uh people uh, identify with what's being done is just what they see. You know, I, I, a good friend of mine, uh, Bradarius Martin over at EYA Sports, mm-hmm. him and I have had that same conversation for for years, and and he's 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 turned the corner with his quality and his production and his content, and you know he's he's seen his um his numbers follow. You know they they've gone up because of that. Um, so, you know, it's younger me would just have told me to not be so bullheaded about not worrying about social media, and making sure that, you know, you just keep posting, just keep being visible, keep posting all your social media platforms. And and that, that's probably the biggest thing as far as the business side. Um, other thing I would say is just a uh, consistency, consistency with the marketing, consistency mm-hmm. with the events if you are into a space where you're hosting events or you attend events like you know don't not to get frustrated with the numbers from the beginning but just be consistent um to do what you're doing annually or quarterly and 
you know, that's the same kind of consistency that comes with marketing. Like people start to expect it and you'll start to have a steady clientele of, of, of coaches or if it's AAU coaches or high school coaches or whomever it is that subscribes to the information that you provide or the service that you provide, they'll start to be there and they'll advocate for you just off the consistency of it being there. So that's two of the, two of the biggest things I would tell younger me. I might need it uh, after we get done with this call. I might need to go tell older me that too. <laughs> yeah, man. That's how it is. Sometimes you got to refresh uh, your thinking. A lot of times when you tell somebody else or you teach yourself about certain things, you realize like, damn, I'm really in practice what I'm preaching. Right. Right. And I'm usually good about that. But what you just asked me about, like, don't ask me about that no more. <laughs> nah, I got you. Um, I guess to say, like, just a segue from that. Um, and I ask this question to everybody. Um, what makes you like want to keep going further each day towards uh, your craft and want to get better at each day? Like what makes you tick in a sense? Um, man, I'm, 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 I'm just real big on, uh, I'm real big on uh, the ultimate goal. Uh, like I've been, I've, I've ended up being, you know, and I couldn't, I, I never would have guessed this would have been a scenario, but I, I've, I've been active in assisting, you know, well over, 300 kids in some way, shape or form with their recruitment process over the last uh, eight, seven, eight years or something like that. Yeah. Maybe six, six, seven, six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Just, on, you know, and that, that wasn't a part of what I expected to be in. But, um, you know, if it's been firsthand advocating for, prospects to coaches if it's been creating a highlight video for a kid that's been out here being good this whole time but was never visible so that they can have something to get in the coach's hands yeah. it's taking kids to trip taking kids on a open uh tryout trips that that you know yielded the response the most desired response out of the whole thing like um obviously the developmental piece you know i got a 13 year old and i got a, a seven year old that both play basketball so I still got, I still got, I still got a little ways to go. And, um, you know, as talented as my 13 year old is, you know, all we got is time for development. So, True. you know, just, just to, to keep pushing the envelope, keep providing opportunities for people and their families to, to not have to pay for school, hopefully, or even if they're comfortable with paying for it, if they're just wanting to have basketball be a part of their life ongoing, going forward. Like all of that stuff is just stuff that I kind of, it just, it's it's unstated, but it's the thing that get me going on a consistent basis. Like I just, I just love the process. I just love the process of of, of trying to get there. So it's kind of, it's kind of what's on me. That's what I'm about. Yeah, man. I think um, as I'm starting to progress in this world myself, um, I realized that's just the key to peace and also the key to the results is just learning how to just fall in love with the process and learning how to perfect it how to refine it how to add to it what to take away it's like the more you stick within the process itself you realize like damn everything else is just a byproduct the money the clients the whatever you're looking for it's just a pride product of your process so it's cliche to just say folks on a process not the product but it that's it's really just that simple just on what it is you have to do and how you do it every single day and just focus on getting better at it yeah, it sounds like you should be giving me some credit for your perspective on that right now. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I'll give you like a lot of uh, credit oh, yeah. for that perspective. Yeah, but you said it sounded real familiar right then. Yeah, 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 all of that. <laughs> yeah, instead of just chasing, man, like it's, just, it's, you know, I mean, I guess some people, some people are good enough at the process to to chase the fiscal side and still yeah. provide a service that's 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 worthy of, you know of what the, the, what they yield on the fiscal side. Sure. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm just a little backwards and, and I just rather go, I rather go provide this amazing service. And then the fiscal side is, is, is going to take care of itself. You know, I, I got enough good people in my corner to help me make sure that, um, everything is managed the right way on that end. And, um, you know, just the back end of, of, of what's been coming out of the work that we've been putting in over these years is uh, 
it's pretty impressive. I may say myself. Nah, it's grown exponentially. Um, shit, we did a pretty good job during the pandemic growing the YouTube uh, profile. That shit was at what three fifty, someone's at a thousand. With no hairline. <laughs> was out here, was out here hurting, boy. Just out there in that sunlight, eyes all squinted, hairline looking like spilt milk. Ain't matter. With the wild ass three point line. Yeah, with the with the strange with the strange markings, with the strange indicators out there, the wide lane. <laughs> Everybody three seconds and outside the lane at the same time. Oh, man. That park was janky, but we had to get some type of content made, though. It was the best time. Everybody was inside. Yep. Yep. Nah, it was a, it was, it's one of the other, you know, it's just one of the things that build. It just, it just kind of pushed the whole creativity and the whole, you know what I'm saying? Like it, 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 it helped me level up. I felt like on, um, to a certain degree, I'm sure you had to feel the same way. Yeah, uh, just because sure. you had to find a way to 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 still show some sort of relevancy at that time, and um, you know, we ended up uh putting together some some jewels, and you know, I had some people reaching out to me now asking about is there anything I could do at home, and I yeah, like yeah, as a matter of fact, it is. I got some stuff I can send. <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. Uh, the 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 you know the hoop nation breakdowns was just like a small idea. While I was on the prep school thing at ASA. And shit, it allowed me to like do my own thing now, my own company. Cause now, like seeing you break it down, editing the videos, seeing how you talked about stuff, and then I right, cool. Let me see if I can do it myself and start breaking down certain things based upon what I saw. Man, I was able to like you know provide a uh, high quality content based upon the stuff I see, and based upon how you broke it down in a detailed fashion, but it was concise and straight to the point. I think that's kind of um a talent too, to not yeah. only give specific details towards thorough, but it's not too much where you're getting lost. It's just right to the point every single time. Malcolm X of this shit. Yeah, you are. I give you that. I give you that. Reason, you that. reason. Let, let me let's let's give uh relevancy to that. So so Malcolm X was was an incredibly highly intelligent seven book a day reading type individual. Yeah. For but sure. if you go you go and listen to any of Malcolm X's uh speeches Everything that he says is completely coherent and easily received by every person. He didn't talk over anybody's head. He didn't try and show everybody that his education was amazing every time that he got out there and held a microphone. But he, spoke, yeah, he do his job and he spoke directly to the people. He spoke to the people that needed to be able to receive it, and um, and that's why that's why he had such a huge following behind, you know. That's why he had a huge following in general, because a lot of people, you know, when they when they when they get incredibly educated, uh, you know, they they want to put it on display. But yeah. he, he was more <laughs> about communication, and and as long as you can communicate effectively, you know, those that those that those that need to know that you're educated, they'll know. But those that that ain't worried about no education, they just need to hear what you're saying, they'll hear it. And that's all that's important at the end of the day is that is the message is being received more so than uh proving a point about how I'm able to do this. Yeah, it's just a marker of a great teacher is being able to meet people at their level and communicate at their level. So. And, and he knew what he was doing. He knew he had to, you know, um, approach the masses in a way where everybody can receive the message universally while also allowing them to gain his perspective from a higher thinking mind. It was, it was a, it's a brilliant thing to do and it takes somebody who is highly educated to take these complex matters that normal folk that are living in, you know, impoverished areas and segregated areas with, you know, um, resources of education is not the, are not the best. So take these factors into it and then take your high level education and then allow them to comprehend it based upon how you're giving the message is, is extremely hard to do. So I see exactly why you made that comparison. Because we both know it's a lot of breakdowns out here on YouTube alone, Instagram about just basic basketball terminology. And sometimes it may fly over the head because people, like you said, want to prove that they know something, but don't focus on the job, which is making sure the message is getting across effectively. Right. Well said, Sean. Yeah, learn that from you. Definitely so, learn that. Definitely learn that. I like credit. I like credit. <laughs> Nah, I'll give you major credit for the breakdowns, though, man, because um, I think it was earlier this year. I was just watching, like, a lot of film. Um, 
Um, because I first made a breakdown between the crossover step and the uh Tim Hardaway crossover and how the footwork was just similar. And I said, based upon that idea, like what other footwork in basketball are similar? I just started watching like a lot of film. Um, realized like, you know, between the legs, behind the back, even the sham god, it's all the same footwork. Um, realized that like, you know, the in and out dribble and the Harden cross, misdirection cross, whatever you want to call it, dribble jab, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's the same footwork. So I realized like it's not about like how you said earlier, it's not about training, you know, ball handling principles. It's more about training the athletic principles that come behind it. The footwork, the change of pace, the change of directions, right. the deception. Yeah. yeah. Change of height, knowing how to go downhill, but also step back to go uphill. Knowing how to go east and west to smooth a defender and shift him on the perimeter so you can find that blow by angle to hit the baseline or hit the elbow. Because those are the angles you want in terms of getting past somebody on the wing. So it's not necessarily about, you know, the hand-eye coordination. Because that shit's easy, like you said. You can go in your backyard and get your hand-eye coordination better in less than, like, you know, 30 days. But the athletic component takes a longer time. You have to train the body the right way to move this way, set your body up the right way, how to stay low, drop your hips, get back high, stop on a dime. Those are all athletic principles. And I believe once young trainers or people who want to dive into this world of skill development understand that there is a strength component, a type of um, weight room component that goes along with it, um, you understand that you can't just throw any old kid into just doing footwork drills or just doing um, any type of advanced ball handling. They have to have some type of athletic component. So making sure you focus on basic footwork out of triple threat, uh, like we talked about with the Hoop Nation breakdowns, a lot of triple threat footwork allows us to get into those um, habits, learning how to properly blow by, learning how to properly change directions, learning how to properly get from high to low. Whether it be using double rips, uh, crossover steps, pump fakes, um, even finishing with a pro hop, we're still learning how to change directions and stop on a dime. So the most fundamental things we work on in basketball from a less dribble perspective or our high efficient perspective using the fundamentals can still help us build the base to be better ball handlers. For sure. For sure. I, and and as, as far as uh, dribble moves and stuff like that too, like the athletic component, dribble moves to be, to just keep it a stack. Yeah. It's a lot of dress up. Um, dress up. You know, I'm, it's a lot of dress up, you know, and it feels good, but it's not always necessary. Like, uh, this is probably one of my least favorite point guards. He used to be the hometown point guard, Jeff Teague. Yeah. Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague has not ever dribbled between his legs or behind his back in a manner <laughs> that he refused to get by somebody. For sure, for sure. He, yeah, he. it's never been something that he's needed. It's a lot of guys that are like this. So it's the, look, man, you ain't thinking – if you think about Russell Westbrook, are you thinking about – About between behind the back to a snap? You ain't no. thinking about no two, no two no, no double move. You ain't thinking about that. You ain't thinking about double moves with Eric Gordon. You ain't seen him do that to get separation. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of guys. Like, the athleticism and balance and understanding how to sell movement is yeah. way more important than being able to dribble – between your legs a whole lot of times. Like and and there's so many guys that that are getting to it at the highest of levels with with less uh with less of your developed skill then mm-hmm. you know it just don't take that man. Like for me, I, I like college coaches rather have seven guys that can shoot at a high level than seven seven guys that could dribble at a high level. Of course, of course. So, like, why are we working on bouncing the ball so much, man? Stop <laughs> bouncing that bit. Put it away, please. Stop it. Like, just get somebody better at putting it in at the end. Like, just be able to shoot that, catch it, and get it out your hand. Hit a shot with a hand in your face. Like, stop yeah. trying to do all these – God, you know, God, stop dribbling so much. I don't need to see you back up small forward. Which is between behind the spin in in a euro to the finish. I don't need to see that. I don't. Nobody wants to see those things. That but if you can catch that, ten seconds, bro. If you can catch that guy and let it go and hit shot after shot after shot, you might not be the backup small forward no more. All right. <laughs> so you need to go shoot that guy, and then just if you're gonna put it on the ground, you need to go from still and quiet to explosive. 
and you don't even have to go around. This is the thing that I, this is one of the things that I'm real big on teaching. Uh, Sean David, if you don't mind me telling you. Um, I play through contact. We teach yeah. playing through contact. I don't teach dribble moves to evade at all. So even if we doing a, a, a double move, regardless of what it is, it's going to come with contact. And when we get contact, we either, we are either going to get into the contact so that we can reject the contact. We're going to be beside the contact so that we can, uh, so that we can hold the contact or, you know, like it's, it's only a couple things that can happen regardless of what the dribble move is. If yeah. we don't beat them butt naked, it's a couple things that are going to happen. It's probably going to happen with contact. And if we can learn how to deal with the contact and what the feel of the contact is and how we, Use the contact to our benefit to get separation because regardless of where it comes from, you can use it to get separation. We're a way better mm-hmm. basketball player because contact is going to be out there. The higher levels you get at, the more and more contact you're going to deal with. You playing 10 and under, it might not be a lot of contact. It might be a foul you bump into somebody. Mm-hmm. You playing you playing 17U in front of these college coaches, it's bumping. You playing varsity basketball, it's bumping. And it's not whistles that's coming with the bumping. And I don't want to even ask for the whistle. I almost want you to bump me so that I can use your weight against you. You know, so yeah. we teach that kind of stuff way more so than we teach just doing the dribble moves over and over and over again because eh, why? Like, no, just go real hard that way. And then when the contact comes, that's when we're going to get our separation. I don't need to surprise nobody with no damn double moves. Get out of my face. Yeah, if you don't understand, uh, actually, when it comes to the contact, are you going to create it? Are you going to hold it off and, like, you know, uh, use a hook or use a move that's away from the contact or – what some people like to do is use your momentum against you. So when you when you when you break it down like hit, <laughs> you're gonna lose that motherfucker looking weak. That's what you're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of people don't understand, man. Like um, like you said earlier about game, like everybody here game like and now they want to go a thousand miles per hour. But like a great example is uh, you know, the guy you work with a lot, Fonte Stocks. Uh he's not gonna be a Westbrook type of guy, but his pace is amazing. It's going to work at a great pace, going to work on selling his move and make sure he gets to his spots. That's his game speed. So game speed is basically what do you do in a game-like situation? How do we make sure we're allowing you to repeat this and work on the concepts within the speed you play at your level? Now, some people may play slow. It's like, all right, if you boom play that fucking slow, let's, let's, let's at least make your pace a bit better. Let's at least make your stop, stop and go a bit better. It's just certain qualities within certain people's uh, game speed you can improve upon to make the system better. Right. Yep. Yep. And when you understand that, like, if you watch you watch Tay work out, yeah. like, it might not look like he's taking game shots, but then you watch him play and it look like, damn, he going slow. <laughs> but he getting everything off because he understand his pace. He understand his space. So, yep. you know, he, he, he manipulate all that stuff beautifully. That's why, you know, you're a seven-year pro that's – that's uh that's that's about to be on a on a flight across the water again, getting to your next contract. Cause, you know, and leading teams to championships when you get over there, like, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't even remember what the question was. Next question. <laughs> All right, next question. Um, you know, uh I guess the next question will more more be about in terms of like you said earlier about the consistency about your events. Um, can you talk about um, if you do plan on doing those in the future, like what type of events would they be? Yep. Uh, we, we trying to get back on the docket, uh, this before the season starts up, we are looking at hosting a middle school showcase. Um, and, uh, more than likely we're going to host a, a girl showcase. Um, you know, prior to the high school season starting one of these weekends, it's not a dead weekend. So uh, for the girls, we can get some college coaches into the gym, you know, have them moving around, see some prospects ourselves. So we can start to continue to grow our database as far as prospects and just uh, start improving opportunities for for recruitment for them. Um, middle school showcase. Uh, it's just it's gonna be more of a measuring stick, man. You know, we uh we got a I actually coach a, a middle school team. that's, you know, I'm not big on rankings, but uh I guess shout out the coast to coast preps that has had us ranked in their top twenty in the country. Okay. Uh, maybe for the last two years, it's uh, Aim High, uh organization ran by Kenny to Jet Smith. Um, Aim High has been around since the Ron Artest and Lamar Odom days. 
Yep, yep. Back then, Kenny was still playing in the league, but his older brother Vince was running at the time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's been it's been it's dozens and dozens of, of pros that have played for Aim High at some time or another. It's, you know, it was originally hubbed out of Queens. New York. Yeah. It's um. It's had uh. It's had some Cali ties. I think uh. Stanley Johnson may have played for him way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, it's had some uh, some uh, some Houston ties as well. You know, when Kenny was down there in Houston, and uh, right now we got a Atlanta base for uh, a couple of the age groups, and um, got quite a roster put together. But like I said, we going um, looking at hosting a middle school showcase at the uh, um, sometime before Halloween. You know, it should be uh, mm-hmm. should have some uh, some some uh, some visuals up for it within the next couple days. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we just gonna get back to it, man. So we can see some prospects young and early. Get some guys in the gym. Uh, try and get some educational information in front of them and their parents, so that they can understand, get more acquainted with the process that some of them will be headed down. You know, uh, hopefully be able to, you know, even some of the conversation we're having as far as development and all that kind of stuff, just yeah. so everybody can have more direction about what they're doing, why they're doing it. Because a lot of parents, you know, they just have a kid that plays a the sport. They didn't grow up playing the sport. Um, so they're just trying to support their kids. So they're just going off. They're trying to do the best they can. So, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like I want to give them the, the best that I can give them if I get a chance to interact with them so that everybody can make uh, educated and informed decisions about what they got going on. Nah, that's true. Um, last question I would ask uh, towards the end of this podcast, and uh, it's something we briefly touched about yesterday, too, over the phone. Um, I know you had a couple of guys when you were coaching at MLK that are now are crossing over the water and also had some uh, professional experience here in America with the G League. Um, can you talk about, um, you know, the process that goes behind, you know, helping out these young men when they were just literally teenagers when you first met them towards now being a big part of their professional career? And, like, what were some of the advice uh, that you gave these men along the way? So if people are going to this right now that are in the same situation to – continuously work on their craft, continuously keep their head high when shit doesn't seem like it's going their way and to make sure they focus on being great at their job and being ready for whenever the opportunity strikes them. Um, Yeah. So, you know, these guys, these guys, a couple of the guys you're talking about right now as well, we got, I don't know how to say the name of the team. So I'm just going to say the country. And it's a kid named Paul Jackson. Yeah. That just, just uh flew across the water to Macedonia for his first, uh, professional on his first professional contract just landed there Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, point guard used to play at uh, Eastern Michigan, played at Eastern Kentucky as well. Um, first start at Eastern Kentucky, played against Campaign, who's playing for Phoenix Suns right now. Yeah. Campaign in Phoenix, yeah, and strapped up, right? strapped up yeah. against Campaign. They definitely gave Campaign six or seven fouls in this college game. It was weird. It was like he had three fouls in the first three minutes of the game, yeah. and then he checked back in the game later in the first half and had a four foul, and then he had like two more fouls in the second half. It was superstar treatment. Had never seen it before. I mean, I guess that's how it go at Murray State when you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my guy Kevon Harris, who just won the AEBL MVP. From uh from the pro am during the summertime, beat Lou Will's team in a championship game. Played at Stephen F. Austin for four years. Beat number one Duke the year that uh the pandemic came about. You know would have yeah. been uh been in the big dance. Um, you know unfortunately didn't get a chance to have that experience. But uh those are a couple of the guys that you're talking about right now. Um, so what 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 we've been doing really is uh is is almost more so been just having our head down the whole time like mm-hmm. uh these guys have gone off to school uh when they come back to the lab they come back to the crib we get in the lab uh it's the same with them for me as it is with everybody else uh they get out there they get to these schools they see what their deficiencies are when they come back home i ask these guys what they want to work on what do we need to get better at you know, they'll ask me my opinion from from what I've been watching and, and what I know about their game. And we just get into the detailed work. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really just been a ton of fucking work. Like, uh, like you know, four, four or five days, you know, a week. Um, it's been a ton of heavy ball training and, and mechanics training on shooting because if you can't make shots, you're not playing nowhere. You know, it's not a lot of space out here for Ben Simmons-type players. Um, 
So we just work on a lot of the mechanics things, work on the speed of things, work on just getting the feel and uh, just the usage of all the skill work. You know, we just it's just a bunch of work on getting the usage up of what it is that you have instead of just being able to do a bunch of stuff, but always relying on what you're comfortable with. True. So, you know, end of the day um, it's f- for them with the professional side of things is certain stuff that they can't handle. You don't get to pick your countries and pick who's offering you contracts and all that kind of stuff. You know, we'll have conversations about those things when they came to the gym. Uh, just like when they were coming home, as far as uh, whether we should stay at a school or transfer from a school, but mm-hmm. all of that was, it wasn't a meeting for that. That was a meeting around the work. So we always mm-hmm. put the work in. And that's that's just the baseline is that, uh, you know, the, the better you are as a basketball player, the more opportunities you'll have. And the certain things that, that you might be concerned about. But just like with everything in life, you can only control what you can control. And they could control the kind of work that they put into their opportunity. So, you know, them, them being active, getting on the weights, getting uh, getting the shots up, yeah. understanding their game, starting to understand the where 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 they want to play at, how it's being played, and what needs to be done in those situations. All of those things are what blended together for them to be able to get the right kind of work to prepare them for the opportunity that both of them have in front of them right now. So, you know, you got to find somebody that knows what they're doing. You have to identify what you need to do to get what you want. Yeah. Not just do what you want to do, but do what you need to do so you can get what you want. Like for for instance, Kevon was in a in a in a different situation. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a part of the, the NBA G League last year with the Raptors. Yeah, uh, in the bubble, and mm-hmm. while he was down there, the the plan for him for him to be a part of he wasn't there. He was actually a part of the Lakers organization. Lakers yeah. organization did not have a G League team in the bubble. So Mm -hmm. the Raptors picked him up as a part of that. Mm -hmm. And what his situation was is that the Lakers saw him as a 3 and D player. You know, Mm -hmm. 3 and D player is kind of like what Danny Green is. Um, Players of that nature where, you know, it's Iman Shumpert. You know, where you think about what Iman Shumpert was in college, Iman Shumpert was – putting the ball on the deck, getting all over the place, finishing above the rim, all this kind of stuff. Literally, yep. But for Kevon, they saw him more of a 3 and D kind of guy where you're off, you know, you're swing, swing, catch and shoot. You're going to sit down and guard one of the better players. You're going to feel your lane, uh, catch and shoot, catch and shoot, catch and shoot. Be ready to shoot. As soon as you're checking the game, you got to be ready to catch and shoot. So him coming to the gym and him wanting to be a part of that situation, there was a lot of that kind of work put into his game because him playing in college, he was ball dominant. You know, he's 6'5", 215, 220, bringing the ball up the court, coming off the screens, making decisions with the ball, uh, getting a, he was, he was one of those guys we talked about earlier that got to be a five, six, seven, eight dribble guy where the other guys playing off the ball were, you know, having to catch and shoot or catch, get downhill one, one pass, uh, one dribbling and kick. He wasn't in that situation. So he he has to, and he's still working on trying to kind of reinvent his game to where if he had that opportunity, it's something that he can go go and do. Where he's mm-hmm. going to play at right now is playing more along the lines of what he's comfortable doing, where they need him to be more ball dominant. They want him to come and lead the team in scoring. They want him to come and lead the team in field goal attempts. So, But it's still going to be a certain level of efficiency because you're still playing with a shot clock and you're still playing with other professionals over there that they expect to produce in a certain way too. So. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that we've been working has changed some from when he came home before the bubble, yeah. right after the bubble, when he was still looking at the G League opportunities. And those were, they were that's what uh, everybody was talking about NBA-wise is more 3 and D. And mm-hmm. then getting ready to go to do this ABL season where he's played point guard for the Southside EYA sports team and him going over the seas right now to where he's going to be expected to be ball dominant. Our work changes. But, you know, it's, it's at end of the day, question you ask bro get in the fucking gym all right and get rid of all that goofy ass shit don't sit here and be trying to play professionally shooting from the fucking high school line all day long like you got to <laughs> do the things that translate to what you're supposed to be doing so you know all the angles all the fields and all that kind of stuff like bro, we hitting markers man we out here we out here hitting markers so you know 
proud of them guys. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm proud that I got a, a, a chance to play a role in it. Yeah. Um, we'll probably do something that, that we record uh, since both of them just got overseas. One of them got there Saturday, one of them got there Monday. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to try and catch up with the both of them and see if we can't chop it up and, and see what the living situation is like, what the whole feel of the whole new thing is because, you know, they're both six hours ahead of time on us right now. Yeah. And Croatia and Macedonia ain't Atlanta. So, no, nah, that's a fact. That's a see what it looked like over there. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. So. But no, nah, I'm glad uh, you just gave her that perspective, man. I think it's a universal skill, too. Um, whether you're a coach, whether you're a writer and blogger, whatever it is that you do, um, work on the stuff that you need to do to get you the results you, you want. Like, we always yeah. try to focus on the wants first, but you got to figure out what work is needed to get there. And if you focus on putting in as much work as possible and it's quality work too, uh, you'll always get the result. It's like you said, though, you can't control the opportunity, but you can control how you get there, though. That's it. That's it. You, get the, you, you, you can build your resume. You can build yep. your history. You can build your background. You can always do that. And mm-hmm. it's not through something else that somebody else stated. You know, I mean, you, we talking about that. It's, it's no similar. It's no different from uh, – Kanye back when I used to fuck with him when he was uh <laughs> way back when uh be, be, or, before, or, or before the red cap <laughs> or, or J. Cole before he decided he wanted to play professional basketball back when he was making you know had 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 to make three songs a day before he left the house and stuff like that in the morning yeah. like you know all of that stuff ready ready those kinds of guys and I mean it's just you know that's a uh, uh the more visible type scenarios but for mm-hmm. anybody in any profession uh, profession. You know, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that the dude ET to T uh, ET the hip-hop. motivator, yeah, e, yeah hip hop uh, guy. I'm sure that he wasn't just talking when he turned the camera on. You know, what I'm saying I'm sure he had plenty of these kind of conversations in front of himself. The mirror is there, the opportunity is there. It's, it's not always when the camera is on. It's the, the unseen hours is real. Yeah. Unseen hours is real. That's probably the realest shit there is out there. If you can get more of them unseen hours and stop worrying about what the fuck people think when you're doing it. Stop looking at how everybody else is working and just work on what you need to be working on. You can get there. Like, that's, that's probably when I started doing the best is, is when I stopped paying attention to what everybody else was doing. I started doing what I needed to do, you know? So, yeah, man. Well, shit. Hey, man, we finally got this uh, recording done about time. Uh, I appreciate you hopping on, man, for sure. Whatever, nigga. This nigga here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but uh hit my line though, man, if you need any help with uh any video coordination shit, anything like that. Cause um if you it's, if it's before uh you know what I'm saying October and stuff like that, I definitely got some free time on my hands to help you out. So just keep me in the loop if anything like that, if you need any uh extra hands on deck and I got you. In there, we in there in the daytime, most of the time during the daytime. I got about three or four folks still in the in the area. Okay. Um and uh I got a little slow time today, so I'm actually about to get back on indeed. Indeed, yes, indeed, and trying to start having a see if I can't get a couple more bodies to be in there to, just to keep the flow of everything moving even more, get it up yeah. to to uh to everybody's Jesus trainer, C Brickley level, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, bro, look, nice. hey man, listen, man, look, look, hey, look, it was a workout. This is so. Look, when we get in the gym, let me throw this in there real quick, just put between me and you, since since we're done yeah. with the podcast. We get in the gym, we work on skill development. We work yeah. on footwork. We do every we mirror everything we do, right? Yeah. We mirror everything we do. Everything we do that starts right and goes and goes left, we'll do it starting left and going right. So that all the footwork feels comfortable going both ways. For sure. We do that with kids at every single level. Every single level, everything we do is a mirror because footwork is the key to everything. Mm-hmm. You've heard of uh, it's an NBA player named uh, Kevin Porter or something like that? Yes, Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, he's he's kind of talented. Yeah, right. You go look at uh go go scroll through a couple C Brickley videos from within the last week or two weeks, oh, and there's gonna be a video of Kevin Porter on there, uh-huh. and he's talking about how he's working on getting all of his moves to be able to go left or go right with both of them. And you're going to see this kid struggling to do stuff going one way. Damn. <laughs> so development is real, bro. Like 
So he's trying to add that to his game right now as a 20-year-old NBA professional. Jesus Christ, bro. And this is what I'm telling you. Like, if and, and if you throw my 13-year-old and some of these other kids I work with right now, like, everything that he's trying to do. Like, he has this superior athleticism, and he can shoot the shit out of the basketball. So he has these other qualities that make him a professional, regardless of the fact that he has a limitation with his skill development. But mm-hmm. and, and thank God he's working on it. But imagine if it was something that was already in the bag. Imagine if that's something that he had been working on when he was 12, 14, 16, you know, these last four years of his life instead of, you know, looking yeah. uncomfortable right now as a 20, 21-year-old. That's probably another six to eight points a game. What does that mean? What does that make you? That, that, that keeps you out of the G League last year. It probably put you on an all-star team right now because you're leading your team in scoring. Yeah, probably to a fucking, you know, saying you needing a certain um incentives on the contract to get a bigger rookie max contract. What? Are you talking about money? Oh, my God. Yeah, so man, yeah. It's, cra- it's crazy, man. That's why, like, I, I love to keep close, close contact with you and Coach G because you helped me get the intricate shit down packed in terms of the development side. And Coach G been around the game for so goddamn long. I get to see what it's like to really coach from a team perspective. So I get great angles from both sides, man, because um, training some guys right now in terms of development and stuff like that, and also knowing how it impacts their role as a player and how it can help them lead their team or help their team uh, get to a win. Um, you got to see from both sides. I think that's what separates you from a lot of coaches that you have in the coach's background from a team sport, but also having the intelligence to train from a good development side allows you to give more applicable and translatable results because you know that, nigga, this shit has to be done at this angle because of the rotation from this defense. Just that simple. And and I know that shit because of Coach G. Like, that, I believe that motherfucker changed my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was okay at training and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. as soon as you can marry the two, because he, you know, like, you go to anybody's college practice, college workout, them yeah. dudes are going to have you in there doing exactly what they need you to do within their offense, and that's it. And they, they're not looking for a lot of extra stuff. And that's one of because I used to be a dribble-a-lot trainer, too. I used yeah. to be one of them guys that was dribbling a whole lot. I'm talking about a whole half of the practice, two balls, just one ball, dribble, move, dribble, move, dribble, move, dribble, move. I was that. Mm-hmm. But being around Coach G, you know, a guy that's, that's you know, um, winning this college coach in two different Division II uh, NCAA schools history, yeah. Like, they, they are not going for that shit. They are not bringing anybody in to dribble the ball that fucking much. They're not bringing anybody in for that reason. No, so they're system. They running a system. So without taking away the the fact that we do need to dribble some, how do we dribble efficiently? Like, how do we get this to to serve the purpose it needs to without having to be seven dribbles later? Like, without mm-hmm. me setting up my man to beat my man to drag my man to set up my man to beat my man. So. And and the feel of the end, if we don't beat them clean, like mm-hmm. we really just wasted a whole bunch of time. So if we could just be to the point, from the point of attack, and everything else is going to happen behind it the way that it's supposed to happen because there's rotations that always happen. Now yeah. I can teach all these kids what you need to do every single time you touch this hole, wherever you touch that guy at. Yeah, so it's, it's, Coach G is that guy. He, he the one that, that changed me from being, you know, what I feel like is more your general general trainer to to somebody that's really got a, a real eye and a sense and a feel of how to get better at basketball and not just better at being a better basketball player. Yeah, it's two different things. And um I think like the combo's gonna have a coach, especially now coming up again this season. And also now his son is down here. And I learned a lot. Like the other day I was just over there with them. They had like, you know, the so called trials or whatever, but his son was uh leading through some of the drills. And he would, yeah, he would just, man, certain shit was just certain small things that you overlook. Like, you know, when it was setting on the pin down screen, he got pissed off. He was like, he said, what's up with all you screeners? All you guys keep setting the screen without turning your, your head to the to the ball. He's like, it doesn't matter if you set the screen. If, if your head isn't towards the ball, how do you know if they're jumping the screen and you can slip back door for a cut? And I'm like, bro, ain't nobody ever told me that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's small, intricate stuff him and his son know that's a part of the game. And it's like, you get that information, and then you add it towards your skill development in terms of teaching. It's going to separate you. And like you said, you're probably right in terms of try, probably training the whole entire world or training the whole metro area. But 
if you don't get to broadcast or you know put your talent of what you do to the masses via social media nobody will know you know this shit everybody gonna think you're just a regular dude yep that's the craziest part about it because you know we all think it's worth the mouth but man the way how it's working since development of skill because i'm because me diving the strength training right it's easier for me to gauge progress because i have numbers and I can program it inside Excel. And at the end of the month, I can use a graph to see, like, okay, we went up by this amount of weight. We should be here. And see and if, like, you know, based upon the regiment, either we eclipse this or we regress and we didn't meet that standard. So why didn't we meet the standard of you pushing this weight? However, I feel like with basketball, we don't have those measures. Everything's an eye test. You know what I'm saying? Everything's a – does a shot look cleaner? Is the pace looking better? And also in terms of, like, certain measurements of, like, um, progress during the workout – do, do do we see that they're getting the shot off cleaner? Do we feel like they're having their hand in the ball? It's a lot of qualitative aspects that go into it. So word of mouth is going to take a longer time because uh, we don't have a measure of quantity or a, a measure of analytics to make sure guys are getting better faster. It's kind of hard to do that as a trainer. So word of mouth right. is going to take you, you know, six to eight months. So during that six to eight months span, if you're getting somebody better, you should be promoting your work to show that you're doing this stuff because – it's not like it's food or it's not like it's uh, a product where it works instantly. That shit takes time. So your word of mouth is going to work on the back end, of course. But for right now, you got to promote, bro. That's what I'm realizing myself. You got to promote. You got to put out your content 24-7. And you got to be consistent within the training aspects. Because for me, when it comes to strength training, I don't got to promote as much. Because, you know, after, you know, two to four months of training, the results speak for itself or for basketball shit. And you know it yourself. Shit might take a year, two or three before you finally get the clientele you need. Yep. Yep. We're still trying to be an overnight uh success. Yep. I th- I think what's holding you back is just staff, G. I think we had that conversation last year during the pandemic. You just staff. They're just trying to be it's it's a lot of demands uh for what you do, and it's hard to be at like, you know, twenty five places all at one time. You can't coach aim high, then run an exposure event then have the training, and then go fuck around and do some scouting, too. It's hard to do all them things, man. So it's about making sure you hire the right people like you're doing right now and uh, put them in the right position so where you can walk away from a training session and, and based upon what you want to teach is being executed. Um, based upon, like, people evaluating talent, they're out there uh, going about it the right way and not just saying, oh, he can finish. They're talking about what they do well within the game, how they're floor general, how they have great uh, IQ, great attitude, stuff like that. It's just knowing how to properly put the right people or the right pieces uh, within your platform. I think that's it. Everything, you don't build everything up. It's about now just hiring people to make the shit move for you. 